You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those people who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in the lineages to us in this life. I call out to these people who tend those connections and are simply waiting for us to turn and to reach out in our hearts to connect with theirs and to make that linkage that allows these ancestors to support the living so that we can stand on their shoulders, so that we can learn from their mistakes, so that we can go forward in a way that shows we are able to innovate and to change, to forgive, to heal, and to do things differently where that is needed. And that we have the fortitude and the persistence and the integrity within ourselves to discern those things that need to stay the same. And to carry those things forward in a way that creates foundation and support for the continuity of the family lines. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to gather round and to help us. And I call out for those ancestors that were here long before they were humans, the non-human ancestors here on this planet. I call out for these beings in their many forms and the foes who do not have forms. And I ask them to be with us here today to teach us, help us to free ourselves from the web of distraction in our contemporary life and open our hearts to the web that connects all things. Help us to remember who we are at the deeper essence that rests far below and moves much slower than the mind in its quick pace. We ask these energies to help us to resonate with our own true nature and to connect with the wilderness in our heart and the passion in our belly that define why we are here. So with all of these ancestors and their many forms gathering around us here today, let us focus our awareness, gather it from wherever it is, and draw it into our minds. And draw our awareness from our minds to our hearts. And draw it down from our hearts to our bellies. And reach down from our bellies to touch the earth. And take a moment in this day, stop everything else, and just give thanks for this day. Gratitude for all that has brought you to this moment for all that is and all that will be. Reach your heart energies out to the earth and give thanks for the beauty, for the great diversity, for the many, many paths that are being walked and for this place for such rich journeying. And give thanks in this moment for the awe and the wonder that is life, for that spark of life that came out of who knows where into being through us. It is a miracle and let us behave in a way in this day that honors that miracle. 
And with great gratitude to the earth, let us continue to send our energy down and down and down through all the layers of the earth, anchoring ourselves firmly in the center of the earth, choosing to connect and be grounded in this way. To reach into the deep, deep energies at the essence of the earth, these energies that nourish and replenish and restore us, these energies that rise up to the surface of this planet in great abundance. We connect to this energy before it becomes that expression, that potential energy, that energy that allows us to be renewed in our sleep, in our journeys, and in our dreams. And so we reach into that energy just like a parched and weary hiker, dipping their hands into a fresh stream to replenish themselves and to refresh themselves. Let's reach into this energy of the earth and draw it up, drawing the energy up through all the layers of the earth and into our bodies. And in this way, let us use the energy of the earth to ground and get a sense of who we are and why we are here. To get a sense of place, a sense of home, and a sense of belonging. And let us do this in a way that is open to all living things. Let us do this in a way that is open to the other and to those who challenge us. Let us open our homes and our tables to those who would come in and help us through their very differences, through their diversity. Help us to become the men and women we have truly come here to be. May we discover through the openness of our hearts, our homes, our minds, the true richness that is the fabric of life here on earth. And let us reach out to this energy of the earth to connect, to reach out even deeper to the in, discover the interconnections of life and even further to discover that great web of life that is the energy underneath all that is apparent all that seems so solid and so convincing in its form. Let us reach beyond that with the energy of the earth to the great web, the web of life, and take our place in that oneness, feel our place in that fabric of life, and tune in to ourselves and come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with the environment and the spirit world. And as we come into this place of right relationship and alignment, let us draw the earth energy up, infusing our heart and our mind and reaching up and out through the sky above and whatever weather it holds for you today, out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe, connecting with this energy and drawing it down, drawing it down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way, you call into yourself and your life the essence energy of blessings. The blessings that are abundant, you call in protection. We call in the benevolence of this universe, all the wisdom of the universe. We call in generosity and devotion and commitment. And we call in beneficence. We draw these energies in and let them infuse our mind, our heart, and our belly We draw them all the way down into the center of the earth. And in this way, we open ourselves to be this place of the great union, the great union between earth and sky. And in this dance of this great love of these two divine beings, we let that big love awaken the spirit of our own heart to nourish it and let it come alive. And may that crucible of change, of transformation that exists in the heart open up and draw up 
the fiery passions of the belly and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind to bring these energies together in the heart in a way that allows them to be in a rich and powerful, challenging dynamic with each other where neither one gives up what it truly is and both inspire the other to finally give birth to that third and most sacred thing, why you are here. As a memory, as a sense, as a feeling, as a passion as a great longing. However it comes, let it come awake and alive in your heart. And may you find in that very same heart the courage to do something, large or small, to bring that knowing of why you are here into full manifestation in your life and to bring your gifts to the world. So for the enormous spirit help that we have in this endeavor, this endeavor for each one of us in our human lives to give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I want to give thanks to Sandra, to William, John, Malama, Melissa, Rich, Catherine, and all of the listeners who have donated financially to the show. If you're listening for the first time, the show is listener-supported. And in this way, people uh, give whatever they feel moved to give. And this is the essence, really, of shamanism, which is allowing the movement in our heart to motivate our actions in the world and to let our heart be that thing that mediates our great power to manifest and to create in the world. So if this show moves you in any way, in the heart, let it move you into action. And for those of you who are able to donate financially, uh, please know that this is simple. If you go to the whyshamanismnow.com site, all of the archives of the shows are there. You can download the shows from the show website. Um, But you can also click the support button and donate any amount you would like, large or small. For those of you that are trying to figure out how to just set up a regular donation monthly, you can do that through your own PayPal account. um, And then your control over... Uh, when you start and when you stop. But I want to give great thanks to those of you who have donated monthly for quite a while and for whatever reason have needed to stop. I give thanks to all of you. All that you donate financially goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And I am deeply, deeply grateful. And for those of you who are not able to donate financially, understand that we are talking here about shamanism and understanding the rich resources of life, of which money is only one of many, many things that move and flow and keep life robust and vital. And so for those of you that don't, aren't able to donate financially, I ask you to do something. Something that moves the energy in the world into your life, into your journey circles, in your journeys, to share your questions, to share your show ideas, but mostly to do things, to, sh- to share the shows via the social networking. Whatever it is, do something that allows the energy to keep moving and growing strong in the world. So thank you, all of you, for your support in all of the many ways that you offer it. I want to give thanks to Ken at cocreatornetwork.com. I got to tell the story again in the class uh, this past weekend about the transition from the first producers of the show to our current producers of the show. And it just reminded me of how grateful I am for Co-Creator Network and its existence in the world. Without them, we wouldn't be here, people. So <laughs> we give them great thanks. So this uh, today we are live. And so if you'd like to call in about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 215-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Um, or email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org.
and I'd be happy to either read your email on the air or read it later and turn it into a show. Who knows? Who knows how that will happen? So today, our show is the final piece in a six-show series about shamanic practice and about kind of the foundations of shamanic practice. I was um, sort of inspired to develop these shows because of a student who was in my um, part one of year one of the four-year training, and in the midst of it, she exclaimed, and this was someone who was well-trained in other shamanic systems, just said, this is so basic. And I don't know any of it. And it just was, to me, this really honest and beautiful expression of this, this sort of challenge of abundance that we have in our contemporary time. In, and that challenge is the fact that we can get to fairly advanced trainings without doing any of the basic legwork these days. And so consequently, we can get fairly far along and um, not really understand why we're sort of stuck or grounding out or kind of cycling or not really developing as we should be. And it's largely because we don't have the foundations in place, the basic, not sexy, boring, um, not ecstatic parts of um, building a foundation. But the foundation of a true shamanic practice is not just physical, it is also emotional, it is mental, training our mind to think about life differently, and spiritual. And we had um, Sandra Ingerman joining us to talk about the spiritual aspect of shamanic development. And then we also had um, Evelyn Reisdyke come on to talk with us about creating shamanic tools. And so today in this final piece of this um, series about kind of these basics of building your shamanic practice, um, I just like to talk about the tools for engaging the sacred. Um, The topic of the show today is creating a sacred life. And so the tools, the main tools for creating a rich and intimate relationship with the sacred is simply ritual and ceremony. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how you might begin to engage in ritual and ceremony in your life in some way other than reading someone else's rituals and ceremonies in a book and doing them, which is not a bad place to start, but it's not a place to live. It's not a bad place to start, but it's not where you want to grow into. So the sacred is inherent in all things. Relationship with the sacred nourishes our deeper self. It rekindles our passion for the things of deeper importance that matter in the long term. You know, we have that phrase, you can't take it with you. But what what I've really learned through shamanism is there are some things we do take with us. And that these things are critically important to cultivate in our life. And that these things are nourished um, in large part, uh, or that process of cultivating these things is nourished in large part by our ability to be in relationship with the sacred. You know, and the sacred is also an energy that opens the way for love to enter into our lives. And we sort of know this about the sacred. Yet we have, as a culture, we have largely lost the art of being in relationship with the sacred. Um, And of course, there's history there. There were very engaged, everyday, intimate ways of being in relationship with the sacred and things evolved into the revealed religions, organized religions that, that dominate the world, the planet, humanity on the planet now. And for many people, the ceremonial aspect of these practices 
no longer provide uh, a means by which they feel they truly can connect with the sacred. And so, so this is really what the show is about today, is how do we, accepting who we are, where we are in the arc of history of humanity on the planet, how do we engage the sacred? How do we move on from the betrayal we might feel from our religious practices of our childhood? How do we move on and engage the sacred in a way that is real and is intimate and begins to nourish our soul? Another way to think about that is how do I develop the religious practices that do nourish the sacred for me, my relationship with the sacred, as well as my shamanic practice because there are aspects of these religious practices I love and aspects that don't work for me. So how how do I do this as a contemporary person? So this is kind of where we are. We've really lost our way and how to engage with the sacred. I mean, the sacred is not just, ooh, that intense feeling. The sacred is something else. And often it's not that it's so intense and profound and ecstatic, but it's actually sometimes frightening in how profoundly ordinary it is. So in everyday life, most of us, in our contemporary American life at least, um, are starving our deeper self of the very energies that would nourish it. And instead, we indulge our energies in stories of isolation and separation and justify depression or aggression, you know, any of many ways of um, engaging life. And we, we, we justify these things as appropriate responses to life and its teachings. Thank goodness the sacred is immune to our folly. It is patient and present and waiting for us to remember how to tend our relationship with it. So the sacred is an essence energy, and these are very interesting energies. So the sacred, like love or freedom, virtue, honor, these are all essence energies. And essence energies exist with or without us. So for those of you that are suspicious of that statement, just think about, well, if even if you've never seen a stag, there is that image in uh, The Deer Hunter, The Deer Slayer, Deer Hunter, old movie, um, where that great big stag is standing there. I can't remember whether he chooses to shoot him or not. It was a long time ago, people. But anyway, my point is, when you see that stag, most people will speak of the nobility. You can't help it. I see that sometimes in dogs in the dog run. It's just that nobility of that being. There is a, a greatness of integrity when you stand with an old growth redwood. Just this giant that is just completely beyond human scale. So in other words, these energy, my point is that these energies, these essence energies exist in the manifestation of life on earth, whether humans are here or not. Now we do them somewhat differently because we're not stags or redwood trees but the point is we all do them so these are energies that have a life that is not entirely dependent on us but at the same time how we choose to see or interpret our life experience how we choose to act how we choose to engage with life all of these ways that we choose to be either fray or diminish the essence energies or tend and cultivate 
the essence energies. So the simplest example I use with this, because I think it's the one that's most common to all of us. Um, it, it, it's a language example. And language is one, you know, not watching our language, the, the laziness that, that creeps into language is one of the ways we don't tend to essences. We don't carefully think about what we say, and I'm as guilty as this as anybody else. But just think about what does it mean? You know, I, I happen to deeply, profoundly love my husband. He's a beautiful human being, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to love him. I also really love chocolate. And I've heard other people talk about loving their cars or loving a hamburger. So what does it mean, you know, that we love our most intimate partner in life if we also love a hamburger? (laughs) So my point is, when we carelessly use a word that is describing an essence energy like love. When we use it carelessly to discuss, to describe things like loving chocolate or a hamburger, you know, we're fraying that essence energy. We're diminishing its power and its beauty in the world. But when we use it appropriately in a way that really honors its true essence, its true potential to take us beyond our little self into our own essence in relationship with it you know then we strengthen and we cultivate it and so while these energies exist without us they are not utterly immune to us we affect them just as they affect us so the sacred is present and inherent in all things and through our shamanic practices we engage with the sacred by the very nature of shamanic practice. Now, the same can be said, for example, one of the exquisite ways of engaging the sacred is through chanting. If we think of these old chanted mantras in Buddhism that have been chanted by humanity for thousands of years, you know, this, is, this is an exquisite way of engaging the sacred. Or we think of the prayer of the rosary, so many different rosaries, so many different uh, materials in the rosary, but the rosary structure nonetheless and the repetition of the prayers and the moving of the rosary through the hands. These are beautiful, beautiful ways of engaging the sacred. Now today, I'm going to talk about engaging the sacred through your shamanic practice, but understand by no means am I saying this is the only way humans can engage the sacred. But we do need a steady diet, if you will, of the sacred in our life to nourish the deeper aspects of ourselves. You know, we wonder why we can't hear the voice of our soul's purpose. Well, probably because it's starving. And we need to consider that perhaps the reason certain voices we seek within us, like even the voice of truth within us, perhaps it's not so strong for us to hear because we have frayed the truth by stepping away from our truth moment after moment, day after day, year after year. So the the point here today, the fundamental point in what I'm talking about is we as humans, to nourish our, our deeper self, some of the greater aspects of who we are, those aspects of ourself that if we can engage them, allow us to live a life that is legend. It's one of my favorite shows. It's in the archives. But I mean this, if we can step out of our selfish love 
and our petty small self, we each have the capacity in engaging our deeper self to to be magnificent, to share the essence of our heart with the world in a way that changes everything that heart essence touches. But to do that, we need to nourish those aspects of ourself. And those aspects of ourself um, don't eat hamburgers. <laughs> those aspects of ourself are nourished through engagement with the sacred. And the sacred is nourished by engagement with those aspects of ourself. So the more we, uh, engaged we are with the sacred, the more the sacred engages with us, the more familiar we are with it the more familiar it is with us. And this is one of the great gifts of shamanic practice is the very nature of these practices are really about how human beings just tried to figure out how do I do this? How do I as a human here um, expressed in this physical form engage these energies that are not necessarily expressed in physical form? How do I connect with the sacred? How do I nourish my heart and my soul? And this is the means... So shamanic practices then become the means by which we as these humble human beings can touch the sacred and be touched by it regularly. And so let me be very careful to say what I'm saying clearly. A superficial engagement with shamanic practices will bring you results. That is not really what I'm talking about. But it will bring you results. And those results may fool you into thinking you've wrapped your arms around the whole, this whole shamanic practice thing. And that you're, you're, you're journeying, you're helping spirits are showing up, you're getting results, you know, you're, you're learning to do shamanic healing, you've got this thing down. And both of these, and in both of these examples, either just kind of a, a kind of a superficial engagement with shamanic practices, or even this sense of getting, you know, that you've got your arms wrapped around it and you've, you've, you've got it handled. In either of these experiences, you could still accidentally stumble into the sacred. Neither of these engagements is intending to take you there. But both of them could drop you there. You never know when you're going to ask a question or express some shamanic gesture with an offering to a cedar tree that's going to engage you with the sacred because it's inherent in all things. But what I'd like to talk about today is a more intentional engagement with shamanic practices for the purpose of intimacy with the sacred, among other things, right? So what do I mean then by the sacred? So, for example, I've been to a lot of official sacred sites, quote unquote, where there's a little plaque talking about the sacred site and all the history. And then I go there and there's people lying all over the sacred stones or with their feet in the streams or whatever and ooing and aahing going on and on. And can't you feel the energy? And, yeah, sometimes I feel it, right? The sacred's there. And sometimes I feel that the place was sacred, but that the relationship is no longer tended there and that the sacred, in a sense, has moved on to where there is engagement or perhaps receded to where it can be left alone because the way it's being engaged with is dismissive or toxic or um, negligent. 
So what do I mean then by the sacred? So let me share an example because I think it shows sequence here of shamanic engagement and what I mean about the sacred. So this year I was at the Omega Institute teaching and one of the things you get to do at the Omega Institute as a teacher is offer a sampler, which means you have about an hour and a half in an evening to offer something to everybody else who's at Omega, meaning those who are not your students who might want to sample what it is you have to offer. So I did a sampler there and I talked about ancestral healing and the room was really full of people. It was packed full of people. And, um, it was, and I, and I gave a very sort of free form, somewhat challenging version of this discussion about shamanic healing. And there were people there from all different, uh, schools of thought and walks of life. And so it was, it was fairly lively. And, um, and we ran out of time. <laughs> so anyway, at the very end, I had had everybody together in this sort of a, a bit of a ceremony, but a guided, kind of a guided visualization to connect with each of their blood lineages and to move quickly up those bloodlines to where they began to encounter luminous beings. And these would be ancestral helping spirits that are ready, willing, and able already to be helping spirits. And this is usually many, many generations in the past. Um, And ultimately to find one of those luminous beings who would serve as a spokesperson for all the ancestral helping spirits that are ready, willing, and able to help and allow the person to have this one-on-one engagement with this, this one ancestral helping spirit who would give them, be the spokesperson in a sense, and would give them a, a way to build that relationship. So this was all coming out through this kind of journey, guided visualization I was doing. And you could f- really feel the energy in the room rise as people's energy followed the visualization up, up into the upper world, and they kept going, going, going. And then, then you could feel this sort of growing luminosity as people began to connect with that, that phase of our ancestors. And then they began to connect with that individual who stepped forward and begin to, and then to come back with that ancestral helping spirit with them. And so, so as, as, they began, as the people began to bring their conscious awareness back into the room and into their bodies and to bring these ancestral helping spirits with us, you begin, as a person standing in the room, you began to feel the space between the people filled by the ancestral helping spirits. And, and, this, and it was um, this feeling of being... Um, stuffed full (laughs) and yet not claustrophobic which was really quite unique feeling but there was this feeling of fullness and presence and so all of this was kind of basic shamanic practice I mean it's intense and fabulous and like I always say shamanic stuff's cool it's fun to do it's intense it's fabulous it's 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 all good and then the sacred happened because here were these ancestral helping spirits. And as this, this visualization came to an end, we, we gave gratitude for their presence and their willingness to help us. And then the room shifted. And I could hear little gasps, little, little sounds as people went, <gasps> as the love of these ancestors for the people began to pour out of them 
into the room. All of us being loved by these ancestors as we opened our hearts in gratitude for their presence and their willingness to come. And in that moment of the love flowing, circling now, as it's meant to, between those who have been here and the living, and we're giving gratitude for them being here because they'll help us do better for those who are coming. And this this whole circle of life is being connected through the heart. And we're feeling, we're we're infused and in a sense almost overrun by the love these ancestral helping spirits have for us and those who are coming. And in that moment, the whole space was filled with the sacred. So in that moment, there was an eternity there was the sacred nature of our relationship with our descendants and then those who are coming or those who are behind us, our descendants and our ancestors, our, that sacred nature of that relationship was reestablished. The eternity, that moment of eternity and the sacred, it was a timeless moment and yet filled to overflowing. So this is an experience of the sacred. And so the basics of shamanic practice, because this was a very basic activity that we engaged in, but the basics of shamanic practice are meant to retrain, you know, because as contemporary people, we need to use it to retrain our intention, our perception about what is going on within us, what is going on outside of us, our discernment, and our imagination to engage with the sacred as a natural course of our everyday lives. We have been trained to believe there is a separation when there is not. And so one of the things we need to use our shamanic practice to do is to retrain ourselves. In other words, to not simply practice our shamanic practices in the realm of separation, continuing to live in the lie that we are separate from the sacred. But to use our shamanic practices to retrain ourselves, our psychology, our emotions, our heart, our whole being, to return to the deeper truth, which is not only our oneness with all things, but our ability to engage with the sacredness inherent in all things, including our own. I mean, the experience with those ancestral helping spirits began with our hearts, our gratitude, our connecting into our sacredness. And that opened the way to connect with theirs. So some of the basic elements then of shamanic practice would be your altar practice. Even if it's a fledgling altar practice that has nothing but a candle and an offering bowl and a picture of your helping spirit, it's still an altar. It's still a place to begin. And this is a place of greeting the invisible world of the real energies and acknowledging your relationship with these energies and building on your awareness of the the deeper energies that are here. As I said in the very beginning in the invocation, that greater web of life that is not apparent but is the thing that holds it all together. And so out of our basic altar practice, some of the basic shamanic practices are the practice of gratitude the practice of blessings, giving and receiving, the practice of protection. How do you protect yourself 
not in the sense of defense. Actually, this weekend, I thought of a new way to say this. When we teach our children to look both ways before they cross the street, we are not teaching them to protect themselves from the evil cars that want to run over them, right? We're just protecting them to take responsibility for themselves and the world they've come into. And this is what I mean by protection. Basic shamanic protection is about taking responsibility as an as an energetic being for the energetic world that you've been born into. And so each of these things is a means by which we begin to shift, retrain ourselves to engage with the sacredness in life as an everyday part of life. And there is journeying and its unique capacity to cultivate in us this ability to be focused and open the more focused I am about my intention and my purpose and open I am to what is around me, the more likely I am to open to and engage with the sacred. If I am not focused and I am in a state of confusion and lack of discernment and I don't know what's going on and now I'm getting frustrated and I'm getting depressed, I'm not open anymore to the sacred. I'm just open to the toxicity of my own thought process. So in basic shamanic practice, there is also embodiment and its cultivation of our capacity to merge intentionally, to engage intimately, intentionally, to enter into those kinds of deep relationships um, with respect of our boundaries and yet to merge and to come out of those relationships with volition. This is all about how do I come into good relationship with something like an essence energy that is so much more powerful than I am. I'm just a little human here. And my greatness comes from my ability to engage my human heart with these bigger energies. My greatness isn't coming out of the thoughts in my mind. My greatness comes from my learning to harness the capacity of a human to manifest and the, the courage of the human heart to engage those energies with the sacred, with the great dreaming, with these energies that are so much bigger than we are and participate in that bigger story. And so within that comes, this, and I'm still talking about basic, fundamental pieces of your shamanic practice, which would be power songs and power dances. And ultimately, creation for the sake of creating for the sake of creating potentially a power object like the shamanic tools Evelyn talked with us about or the sake for the sake of creating objects that become part of your altar practice or for the sake of creating objects that are going to be part of your ritual or your ceremonial practice so there the just the act of creation is an important part of of a shamanic practice And the important thing about using our tools at the level where we begin to engage the sacred and in this way starting to serve these essence energies, these energies that are bigger than we are, is they bring our soul's purpose outside of this purely personal sphere and connect it to this communal experience and to this experience that, that puts our soul's purpose into this bigger picture. And allows us to begin to be part of something larger than we are. 
one of the th- so in other words, one of the things I see with people denying the clarity they have around their soul's purpose is it's not something that they're going to get known for. In other words, they're just being a part of a larger plan and in that may remain anonymous. And contemporary American people are looking for the thing that's going to make them stand out. This idea that if I'm living my soul's purpose, I'll become famous for it or rich for it or whatever for it. That somehow this idea that I would be completely anonymous and simply do my part in the larger plan doesn't seem enough for people. So, journeys. One journey that you could take to begin is just to show me how I can better tend the essence of the sacred in my life. Just start right where you are. That's a start where you are journey. Just show me how right where I am, the most direct way I could begin to tend the essence of the sacred in my life. In my life exactly as my life is. So now, if you know you're not tending it at all, you could ask, show me where in my regular day I come closest to encountering the sacred. And what must I do to engage the sacred in that place in my life? Now, let's say you're, the, uh, you're kind of swing the other direction in the pendulum. You tend to be living in fantasy and delusion and everything's sacred. Everything's fabulous. Um, to the extent that if everything is sacred, back to what I was saying about love, if everything is sacred, then nothing is. Right? If everything's fabulous, then nothing is. If everything's intense, then nothing is because now that's just normal. Right? So it's an excessive place to be. It's also a fantasy delusional place to be. It shows no grounding or discernment and no ability to perceive the dynamics of life because we live in a world that moves through complementary dualism. There's always dynamics in everything. But if we live at the excesses, we're frankly out of our body. We're not in that place in the center where that dynamic tension is really strong and life is manifesting. So the journey that you could take if you're that kind of person is show me the root of my fear of intimacy with the sacred in my life. Because if you're living in that excessive place where everything is sacred, it means you're not actually drilling down and opening to the kind of intimacy that would plug you in to the sacred. So what's the fear? Journey to find out. So shamanic ritual and ceremony are used to powerfully engage the sacred and through that engagement to invite spirit into our lives to help us to do what we are unable or no longer willing to keep trying to do. And we're no longer willing to keep trying to do it, by the way, because we realize we're just wasting time and energy and we need to be devoting towards living our soul's purpose. So when we create ritual and ceremony, there are two basic functions that need to happen. Uh, So we're either looking to create change in the status quo, or I should say we're looking to change the problem, whatever it is, the the issue, the dynamic. We're, We're looking to change that by changing the status quo, or we're looking to change the situation by reinforcing the status quo. 
So as I use these words, as I personally use these words, it's not how everybody uses the words, but as I personally use them, ritual is what we do to engage the unknown and change the status quo at the core. Whereas ceremony is what we do to remember what we know to be right and true and to reinforce at the core the status quo that we need to be living. So it's a return to what we value. Okay. It's very, it's, people often think when I describe it that way that somehow ceremony is not powerful and that's not the case at all. The reason it seems less powerful than ritual is because it actually requires we have some shared values to return to, which frankly most of us don't in the contemporary world. But moving right along because that's not, that's not the topic of today. Okay, so basic ceremony. So for those of you that have an altar practice, you already have a basic ceremony, right? And so at my retreats in the four-year program, people are learning how to share a basic altar, how to do an altar practice that gives them a way to, to create an altar together, to create a communal altar, which is different potentially than their personal altar. Another place that one of my favorite ceremonies that is hugely powerful is up in BC at the shamanic conference up in BC that we go to every May. I encourage you all to come this year. Uh, but the conference, before the conference begins, we begin by calling in Grandfather Fire and lighting the fire in a ceremonial way so that uh, the grandfather is present. And then the fire is kept burning by the fire guardians day and night until the conference is over. And the final act of the conference is um, allowing Grandfather Fire to burn out. And this is a ceremony. It's the same every year. It's fabulous. I love it. It's one of my favorite ceremonies. It's big. It's loud. It's lusty. It's uh, deeply sacred as these bundles get brought to the fire and the fire rises. It's, it's exquisite to connect with this essence energy so powerfully. Same thing every year, still fabulous. But that's how ceremony works, is that memory of the same thing year after year or with moon ceremonies, month after month, or with your altar practice day after day. These things, this is the power of ceremony is in its repetition. So in shamanic ceremony, what we're doing through that repetition is we're courting the sacred. You know, we're wanting to be in relationship with the sacred and we're courting it day after day, just like arriving day after day, night after night with flowers or love poems. And I kind of mean that metaphorically, but that's courtship, right, in the old-fashioned sense. And I do mean this. Ceremonial acts repeated again and again. And in that repetition, in the constancy of that relationship, in the courting of the sacred, the intimate relationship is forged. And so, if you're wanting to do ceremony, to journey to find out about ceremony for yourself, some of the things you need to ask about is the frequency or periodicity. In other words, do you do this annually? Are you meant to do it in a particular sequence with the moon? Are you meant to do it every seven days, every three days, or is it daily? Is it meant to be in the morning or the evening? And let me note that Part of the reason certain things are meant to be done in the morning, certain ceremonies are meant to be done in the morning, is because they're meant to be done fasting. And most of us technically are fasting in the morning because we haven't eaten since dinner. And so consider that. Is the ceremony meant to be done fasting? That's very possible. In other words, when is the ceremony most 
powerful. Is it meant to be silent or not? Does it matter? Right? These, are, these, these don't all necessarily matter for every ceremony, but these are important things to ask. And then when you ask to be shown the ceremony that will accomplish whatever it is that you're wanting to accomplish, right? there's the real version, there's the full version you're shown. If you can't possibly do that, you can ask for a version of that real ceremony you're capable of doing at this time. Now, as a contemporary person, I also encourage everybody to ask for the short version. And what I mean is, how do, if, I'm, if I have a new daily ceremony, or even a monthly ceremony, weekly, any of these, given my life, I can't always be there and do it the way I've been, it's been prescribed for me. And so ask for a short version if you have that kind of life. What is a short version that, that, that will get it done in those times in your schedule when you can't do the full version? And another thing that's important to ask for for ceremony is a travel version. So, for example, um, at a particular time in the formation of my student community around the cycle teachings, my job was to infuse the community with my understanding of true love. That it, it needed to be put out in a way that would inspire everyone. And what that required is that we gain from spirit the true love prayer that our community uses. And that I speak this prayer at my ancestral altar day and night without fail for a very long time. I don't know, it was like six months or nine months or something. It's a very long time. Now, of course, eventually that got easier because I memorized the prayer. Um, but I also got a travel version. You know, there were things I was expected to do with that when I was home. But when I was traveling and busy and teaching and my time was really in short supply, I was just simply supposed to hold my ancestral stone because I wasn't even at my ancestral altar then. Hold the ancestral stone, speak the prayer. And it worked. But this is the thing about instead of just bailing on your ceremony, ask for the version you can do in the circumstances that you have. So basic ritual. Since we're kind of running out of time, let me move along here. So basic ritual. So this is what we want to do when we're willing to engage the unknown and basically, pardon my French people, but let shit happen. I mean, when we do ritual, we are basically saying I surrender control of how this happens. And I am inviting spirit in to help this happen in the best way possible. But that means I am engaging the unknown to assist me and I am not controlling the outcome. So because of this, with ritual, I suggest that you start doing rituals first just for yourself until you get the hang of creating rituals that feel like they flow and that they work. With ceremony, the potential damage is not so great. I really encourage people to share your ceremonies or even to journey for a shared ceremony. So maybe your journey circle Journeys for a shared ceremony, we can begin our journey circle with so that we are all better able to go deep in our journeys or something like that. I mean, I I strongly encourage us to all be moving towards shared ritual and shared ceremony. With ceremony, there's not the same degree of potential damage as ritual. So that's why I sort of just encourage you to go for it. Do it yourself, share, learn from each other, have a good time. Ritual. I suggest you tread a little more lightly. But with ritual, 
what you want to do if you're asking spirit for your rituals. Now, understand, I don't make up rituals. I divine rituals. I go to spirit. I ask. I ask for a prescription for the ritual that will use the particular element to accomplish a particular task with a particular group of people at a particular time and place. I always ask. I don't make them up. I ask. They are prescribed. And I believe this is fundamentally important when doing ritual. That's my personal soapbox, which I will now get off of. Okay. So before you journey to be shown the ritual, you need to think through the energetic logic of the ritual. And if you're not clear on any of these things, you need to get clear before you ask about the ritual. And you can just journey to get clear. In other words, if you feel like you're making too many assumptions, you don't understand the actual purpose of the ritual, um, you can journey about the different aspects to really make sure you're clear before you ask to be shown the structure and the flow of the ritual. Okay, so the first and most important thing is what is the purpose of the ritual? In other words, what is the energy that is present that you are asking to change or transform in some way? And how are you going to do that? And so, in other words, often we come to ritual to release energies. If we want to do it quickly, it's usually a fire ritual. If we want to do it somewhat slower but still moving, maybe it's a water ritual. If we want to change something but slowly, maybe it's an earth ritual. So, so there's, a, there's first clarifying the purpose of the ritual itself what is the function of the ritual? What is it that we are trying to do to accomplish? And then the next thing you need to sort out, and I always journey about this if I don't know already from uh, a message from spirit in some way, is what is the best element or other driver or engine for the ritual? I work a lot with elemental rituals. I think the elements themselves, earth, air, fire, and water, are extremely powerful for us. And they allow us to do very deep, very powerful, very safe ritual because it's not complex. I'm not getting into all of this backstory with a deity or, or even a sacred place. But sacred places are one of the energies that people use to move their rituals. It's part of the reason we travel all over the world to work with shamans is to be in their sacred places. And, and when we do that, we, we have permission to use the place via the shaman. But the important thing if you're doing that is you make sure you've got a relationship with the place and permission to do your ritual there. But other, other drivers for rituals would be nature as the elemental driver, mineral, um, dance. I do a lot of ritual where dance is, the, is what drives the transformation of the ritual. And then you ask the helping spirits to show you the ritual. You ask them to show you the preparation, and there's always preparation. And, they, uh, and you ask them to show you the closing of the ritual. And I encourage you to do this yourself before you move into shared ritual. But I would love to see us move into shared ritual. To get to a place where we can do ritual together, rituals that are divined to address the needs of our time. And I believe that we can do this, but we need to understand how to be bold and humble at the same time in the doing of this. Because there are cautions to doing ritual because you can um, create harm. Sometimes it's unintended and the harm created is just that we all wasted our time and the ritual didn't really work. But other times things can be set in motion that are that are harmful to people. So it's important to really cultivate your capacity with ritual before you begin inviting others into your rituals. Unless you're inviting peers and you're all 
capable of take care of yourselves and you're all sort of in it together learning how to work with it. So with that said, um, it is still where we need to go to creating ritual and ceremony together is still where we need to go if we are going to create a new story for the ones who are coming. And we must transform aspects of the status quo and we need spirit's assistance to do that or we will simply recreate a new version of what we are trying to change. And so with all of this said about ritual and ceremony and and it's connecting us to the sacred and these larger forces to create change in our life, I wanted to share a line from Rumi. Love's greatest gift is its ability to make everything it touches sacred. And so the simplest place to begin perhaps could be how do we open our hearts to the sacred? And so here's a journey for you. What unique nectar does my heart offer the sacred? How do I give this nectar to the sacred? And then give it and wait to receive the intimate exchange with the sacred. We have the capacity right now to touch the world beyond our shamanic circles and our comfortable patterning of journeying and sharing and journeying and sharing in this pattern that we've gotten into, the box that Sandra Ingerman talks about. But you could do a journey for a ceremony that will allow you to engage the sacred in a way that provides steady nourishment for your heart and soul and do it. If it works for you, ask for a version you can invite others to do with you. Journey for a ritual, using the logic previously shared in this show. Journey for a ritual that will allow you to remove and transform the three greatest obstacles in your life to a rich, robust, and ongoing primary relationship with the sacred. And then go do it. Journey to ask, what must I do in my life? To assure that the sacred is flourishing and vital for the hearts and souls for those who are coming. And do that. Know that you feed the sacred just as the sacred feeds you. I give thanks for the helping spirits that have gathered around us here today. The ancestors in all their many forms. The earth below. The sky above. And the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great week and touch the sacred in some way. Be bold. Let it know that you're alive and well and wanting to be in relationship with it. Hello, everyone. It is 2018, and here is what is new at Last Mass Center. So first off, the cycle of transformation does begin again in 2018 with Massive Illusion, June 3rd through 8th. We are taking uh, registration now. You can go to lastmasccenter.org. Um, to the home page and download the registration from there. Space is limited and we are currently about half full. The next thing is 2018 brings the beginning of new live transformational online learning here at Last Mass Center. And we will begin this year with energy body hygiene and the clearing practice um, that is so often referred to on Why Shamanism Now programs. And to get on the mailing list for these offerings, go to whyshamanismnow.com, scroll down to the blue part on the bottom, and add your name to the email list. And finally, the one live clearing intensive that will be offered this year will be offered in Seattle, February 
23rd through 25th at Tiger Lily Yoga. And you can go to lastmasscenter.org homepage and link through for the registration there. So thank you, everyone. Here we go for a brand new year. Have a good week.